If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm Emily Esfahani-Smith. I am the author of The Power of Meaning and a journalist. I write about psychology and culture and uh, religion and relationships. A lot of philosophy departments in the United States are no longer interested in this question of meaning and what is a good life, even though that has been, you know, for thousands of years, the central question of philosophy. And then I realized that it was actually within the field of psychology and specifically the subfield of positive psychology where questions of meaning were being taken seriously. And so um, in, in 2012, 2013, I got a master's degree in positive psychology and there really um, was fascinated by and also surprised by some of the research that I came across about meaning and related concepts like happiness. And that was really when I began writing about it as a journalist. It's kind of in the, you know, American DNA to value happiness. And I think that's true of kind of Western culture in general, um, that there is this emphasis on happiness and happiness specifically defined as a positive mental and emotional state, positive feelings. If you feel good, you're happy. If you feel bad, you're unhappy. It's this emotion that comes and goes. That's how most psychologists and philosophers define it. And that's how um, the term kind of gets used in the media where there are all these articles on happiness and books about happiness. Um, and, you know, you get this impression, I think a lot of people do anyways, I certainly did, that we should really be organizing our lives around this pursuit of happiness. But the research that surprised me um, about happiness was it turns out that when we value happiness the way that our culture encourages us to do and chase it in that way, people actually end up feeling unhappy and more lonely as a result of that kind of single-minded focus on happiness. And this, um, this was really interesting to me because at the same time that that research was coming out, you know, about, you know, 10 years ago or so, there was also this more and more attention being paid to the rising mental illness crisis in our country with increasing rates of suicide, self-harm, 
anxiety, loneliness, depression, pretty much every single indicator of mental illness that I, I was seeing was kind of ticking upwards, especially among younger people, you know, teenagers, young adults. And, and when you look at the research, what it shows is that this rising tide of despair and misery isn't predicted by a lack of happiness in people's lives, but by a lack of meaning in people's lives. And so I think that when people are chasing happiness with, in this feverish way, what they're actually trying to satisfy in themselves is this longing for meaning that is deeper, but it's, you know, happiness is like the candy bar when you're starving, you know, it, it's like a quick fix, but really what you need is kind of more nourishing food, which is meaning. Transcendence is definitely a concept that um, I think is close to religion and, and spirituality. And there is this kind of narrative in Western history that, you know, over the last 200 years, the world has become disenchanted because of, you know, the rise of science and evolution, which is, you know, just the, the sense of, you know, wonder or the feeling of the presence of God in everything that you know, our ancestors for hundreds and thousands of years explain the world is, is no longer there. Um, and so I think people can be, there is this skepticism, um, this scientific skepticism towards transcendence. Um, let me define it. So, so transcendent experiences are these experiences or moments in our lives where we're lifted above the hustle and bustle of daily life and we feel connected to something much bigger whether it's nature, God, you know, universal consciousness, um, other people, you know, people who've had these experiences talk about oceanic feelings of oneness with the world. Um, they talk about feeling like they're in contacting a reality that's more real than the reality that they experience day to day. So, you know, it, it's kind of taking outside of ordinary consciousness, taking outside of ordinary reality to something that feels more true. And, um, and there are a lot of different ways to experience this particular pillar, you know, meditation, prayer, liturgical services, certainly that that was their, that was their, their purpose um, historically is to kind of get you outside of ordinary time and space into sacred time and space and to bring you into contact with God or whatever the higher thing is. Um, music as well. Um, but there are all kinds of secular ways as well, you know, whether it's music or being in nature, um, collective movement like dancing, um, these are all these ways that we kind of lose ourselves and connect with something bigger. And so I, I you know, in the research, it, it shows that there, there are all kinds of um, positive benefits that, that occur when you have these kinds of experiences. Um, there's, on, on the one hand, there's something kind of frightening about them at times because when you experience a sense of under, a sense of wonder and awe when you come into contact with something that's so vast, like, you know, the Grand Canyon or, or whatever, um, it can make you feel tiny and insignificant. And, and, and that's scary. Um, you know, awe and awful are, you know, that's the same kind of root. And, and yet at the same time with those feelings of fear, there is this sense that even though I'm so small, I feel connected to something. I am part of something much bigger and that kind of redeems the fear and makes 
the experience feel intrinsically meaningful. And afterwards, you know, people kind of reorient their values. Um, well, they claim that their, their, the experience shifts their values so that if before they were more focused on achievement or um, themselves, now they're more focused on, you know, compassion and, and other people. And this, you know, this comes up, this is a finding that kind of comes up a lot. So, so I, I do think that there, these experiences are important and there is a kind of a healthy way to access them. And, and they can really be life-changing. There's this whole body of research right now around um, giving people psilocybin, which is the active ingredient in magic mushrooms. And it induces a major transcendent experience in people. And what they find is that afterwards, you know, people who had been addicted to smoking for decades, their addiction just goes away. People who are facing terminal illness, their fear of death goes away. So it is, it's really powerful. You know, one reason why I felt so compelled to write about meaning and, and, and in articles initially, and then in, in my book, The Power of Meaning, is there, I think there's this idea in our culture that you have to do something grand to lead a meaningful life. You have to be extraordinary in some way. And really, um, any life, it can be meaningful. We're all doing things in our lives that are intrinsically meaningful. You know, the work that we do all, you know, one of the benefits of a capitalist society is that all work fills some need in the world. So figuring out, you know, what that need is and connecting what you do, you know, to that larger picture. Um, even, so, you know, something as simple as, you know, doing the dishes, that's contributing to kind of a sense of home for yourself and for the ones that you love. Everything that we do can be endowed with meaning if we have, you know, the right mindset. And that means that we're all capable of, of leading a meaningful life. Making Meaning is a limited series from Ministry of Ideas. It is produced by me, Zachary Davis, and Jack Pombriand. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support us by sharing the show with your friends, subscribing, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. For more information, visit our website at ministryofideas.org. You can connect with us on Twitter, where we're at Ministry of Ideas. You can also email us at Zachary at ministryofideas.org. We would love to hear from you. Ministry of Ideas is a proud member of Hub & Spoke, a Boston-centric collective of smart, idea-driven podcasts. You can check out all of our shows at hubspokeaudio.org.